0: Good morning, family. Today is the fifth Sunday in Lent. Next Sunday is Palm Sunday. And Palm Sunday is the start of Holy Week. That means that the following Friday will be Good Friday. And then, two weeks from today, it's Easter Sunday. All that being said, I will have a Good Friday podcast for you. So be on the lookout for my devotional thoughts on the crucifixion of Jesus. This morning, we're shifting gears a bit and switching from the gospel according to Luke to the gospel according to John. John chapter 12, verses 1 through 11. Hear the word of the Lord. Six days before Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, home of Lazarus, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Lazarus and his sisters hosted a dinner for him. Martha served, and Lazarus was among those who joined him at the table. Then Mary took an extraordinary amount, almost three-quarters of a pound, of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She anointed Jesus' feet with it, then wiped his feet dry with her hair. The house was filled with the aroma of perfume. Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, the one who was about to betray him, complained, This perfume was worth a year's wages! Why wasn't it sold and the money given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He carried the money bag and would take what was in it. Then Jesus said, Leave her alone. This perfume was to be used in preparation for my burial, and this is how she has used it. You will always have the poor among you, but you won't always have me many Jews learned that he was there. They came not only because of Jesus, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. The chief priests decided that they would kill Lazarus, too. It was because of Lazarus that many of the Jews had deserted them and come to believe in Jesus. This is the word of God for you, the people of God. So we say, thanks be to God. Now, According to John, on the night before Jesus made his big entry into Jerusalem, the day that we call Palm Sunday, Jesus attended a dinner party in the town of Bethany. Bethany was a suburb of Jerusalem. Now, We don't know exactly who was at this dinner party. Matthew and Mark claim that it was held in the home of Simon of Bethany. But John doesn't tell us that. He just wants to make it clear that Judas was at the dinner as well as sisters Mary and Martha, along with their brother, Lazarus. You remember Lazarus, don't you? He's the one Jesus had raised from the dead one page back. At the dinner, Martha, of course, served. That's what Marthas do, right? They serve. Lazarus, we're told, was sitting at the table with Jesus. He isn't given any lines to speak in this story, but don't you wonder what he was thinking don't you wonder what was going through his mind what happened to him while he was dead what did he see what did he hear what did he feel but that's beside the point so here we have martha and lazarus and there was their sister mary who was indescribably grateful to have her brother back now at some point during the evening mary approached jesus She knelt down, pulled the pins out of her hair and allowed it to fall down over her shoulders. Everyone in the room must have gasped. That was never done in public, and it certainly was not done by respectable women. But Mary didn't care about social etiquette. She took a pound of very expensive perfume, poured it on Jesus' feet, and then she wiped his feet dry. With her hair. That's when the dinner party hit one of those awkward silent moments. As the house filled with the fragrance of the perfume, nobody knew what to say. The excess of this scene is overwhelming. That perfume was pure nard. Nard is a perfume an oil that can only be found in the mountains of northern India. One pound of nard costs nearly a year's wages and think about this in terms of your annual income pour it out on the feet of jesus this extravagance this foolishness this irresponsibility and wastefulness is interesting last week's gospel reading was the story of the prodigal son remember him that word prodigal literally means wasteful lavish or extravagant well mary's prodigalness her extravagant giving Irked the living daylights out of Judas, one of Jesus' disciples. Yeah, it's that, Judas, the one who will betray Jesus. He couldn't stand wastefulness, so he shouted, Jesus, tell her to stop! Do you have any idea what we can do with this kind of money? Now that sounds like a pretty good question, doesn't it? What about the poor? What about the sick? What about the mortgage? What about investing for the future, right? Jesus responded to Judas by telling him to leave Mary alone. There will always be needs, and you will always have opportunities to meet those needs. But right now, this is important. I think the point that Jesus makes is that before you can meet human needs, as his disciple, You have to find yourself at his feet first. You need to lose yourself in worship. You need to spend time in adoration. Remember, this is Jesus. He is the one who will walk into Jerusalem and give himself to die so that, like Lazarus, we may all come back to life. Please understand that the heart of Christianity is not meeting needs. Instead, at the heart of Christianity, is Jesus. And out of his heart, we meet people's needs. So make sure you see who we've got here at the dinner party. On one hand, we have a giver. On the other hand, a taker. Since we're not exactly sure who else was at this dinner party, and since it could have been anyone, I want to invite you to the dinner table as well. But the question is, where should we seat you? Would you prefer to sit closer to Judas or to Mary? Judas had such high hopes for Jesus. He had been a disciple for three years now, but that was only because he had an agenda that he wanted Jesus to fulfill. Some speculate that Judas was a political zealot. Others think he was a zealot only for himself. It really doesn't matter because if we follow Jesus because we have an agenda, then no matter how well-meaning, how how well-intentioned, or how selfless the agenda may be, we inevitably reduce Jesus into being a means to an end. When we have our own agenda, then Jesus simply becomes a tool to get what we want. And that's a dangerous place to be. That's a dangerous way to live. Perhaps you have high hopes for Jesus. Maybe, like Judas, you got into religion because you had a need you wanted Jesus to fix. You've heard he can feed the hungry, heal the sick, even raise the dead. So you think that maybe someday Jesus will get around to doing a miracle for you as well. But that means that your real Lord is not Jesus. Your real Lord is you or your agenda. And Jesus is just a way of getting what you want. So John makes sure that we know that Judas used to steal from Jesus. Did you catch that? John inserts lots of commentary in his gospel. His comments are usually set off in parentheses. In fact, all of verse 6 is commentary. He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He carried the money bag and would take what was in it. Now, this is going to be uncomfortable, okay? You ready? Because the truth of the matter is, John could say the same thing about us, couldn't he? We steal from Jesus too, don't we? How do we steal from Jesus? We steal from Jesus when we reduce him to his instrumental benefit or to the blessings we try to pry out of his fingers, right? Now, in contrast to Judas, mary has no expectations or goals for jesus make no mistake she used to she used to have expectations for jesus but she has learned the futility of thinking that way think about this the last time we saw mary she was in the same position as we see her here she was at jesus's feet but it wasn't in worship she fell at jesus's feet because she was in grief She had an agenda. The last time we saw her, she wanted Jesus to heal her brother Lazarus. But Jesus did not hurry, and her brother died. But after witnessing Jesus' ability to raise the dead, Mary realized that her agenda was not too big for Jesus. Her agenda was too small. Now she has given up her expectations that have been poured out like the perfume on Jesus' feet now all that is left is gratitude that's why she gives so extravagantly to jesus grateful people always want to give have you learned that yet grateful people always want to give well here we have two different perceptions two different views of jesus two diametrically opposed attitudes about jesus And both of them can always be found hanging around Jesus. One of them complaining about what he has not done. Complaining about what they have not received. The other lost in extravagant gratitude. So let me ask you again, where do you belong in this scene? Where would you be? Have you ever noticed that some people have more than their share of problems? Their health is chronically bad. They have a family member or members in trouble. Their job is in jeopardy. But regardless of their circumstances, their countenance is always joyful. And they are the sweetest people you ever want to know. Others have a relatively easy life. But every time you see them, they're complaining. They're grumpy, always in a mood. Do you know why that is? That's because contentment has nothing to do with the circumstances of your life. Contentment is not based on your circumstances. Contentment has everything to do with your choice to be grateful. And contentment, gratitude, is always an option. I don't know if there are good measures of spirituality in our lives. I mean, how do you measure such things? But if there was a way to measure the quality of your spirituality, I think one of the best ways would be gratitude. Your level of gratitude is your best indicator that your attention has been focused on the surprising, unanticipated ways that Jesus is giving life to you. Maybe, like Mary, you have discovered that your agenda for Jesus has been too small. And once you get a glimpse of his agenda for your life, you are overwhelmed with gratitude have you noticed that you cannot feel grateful and feel mean or angry or cynical at the same time have you learned that you cannot feel grateful and be in despair at the same time but you can feel grateful and loving grateful and joyful grateful and hopeful all at the same time why is that well it's because gratitude pushes all destructive emotions out of your heart. That's because gratitude is the air the soul breathes to stay alive. Gratitude pushes destructive emotions out of your heart because gratitude is the air the soul breathes in order to stay alive. Now, I don't know when Mary bought that really expensive perfume. All we know is that it probably set her back a pretty penny, as my grandfather used to say. It's interesting because her brother died and it wasn't used on his dead body. Perhaps she had been saving it for a while. Maybe she just knew that this was the time to anoint Jesus with it because he would be killed within a week by an ungrateful world. What we do know is that she is grateful. And what grateful people most want to do is give. What complaining people most want to do is take, and there it is again, your stark choice. Do you want to be a giver or a taker? Choose carefully, because as the Judas story reveals, complaining and taking will destroy you and it will destroy your soul. I was waiting to get my hair cut the other day and the TV show Bonanza was on. Remember Bonanza? I wasn't paying much attention to the TV, but I looked up and a young lady had just done something nice for Hoss. Remember big old Hoss. He tipped his hat and said, I'm much obliged, ma'am. You know, that's a phrase we don't hear very much anymore. That's kind of sad, isn't it? I'm much obliged. I recognize your courtesy and I am grateful. I'm much obliged. Obliged. I see what you've done for me, and I appreciate it. I appreciate you. If you stop and think about it, we are obliged to others for the best gifts in life, aren't we? And we are obliged to Jesus, the Savior, who is dying to give us life. The Savior who died to give us life. If you remember that, it will make you grateful. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Good and gentle God, forgive our moments of ingratitude, the spiritual blindness that prevents us from appreciating the wonder that is this world, the endless cycle of nature, of life and death and rebirth. Forgive us for taking without giving, for reaping without sowing. Open our eyes to see, open our lips to praise, use our hands to share. May our feet touch lightly on the path we tread, and our footsteps be worthy of following, for they lead to you. We continue to pray for peace today. We've been praying for peace, and now we are once again dealing with war in our world. We need your peace. Peace for the people of Ukraine. Peace for anyone and everyone being wronged by their enemies. Peace for those who act in hurtful and harmful ways. Peace for those who are feeling the stress and pressure of these days. Again, we pray for those in leadership and for those in positions of power and for those who are in harm's way. Hear our prayers, O Lord. Again, Father, we pray for those who are sick. Give healing, especially as the pandemic winds down. Give us your grace. We pray for everyone in pain. We pray for those who are stressed for people who are tired, for folks who are uncertain, and for those who need direction. You made us out of love and you created us to love. So help us to love others, others who don't look like us, others who don't vote like us, others who don't believe like us, others who don't live like us. Help us to value, love, comfort, and care for those who are the last, the least, the lost, and the left out. And now, using the words debts and debtors, let us pray with boldness the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom, and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well thanks for joining me today. Was this message helpful to you? If so, will you like, review and share this podcast? Also, if you have a need or prayer request, please leave a message in the comments section and be assured that I will be praying for you and for your need. This week your job is to love at least three people and make sure at least one of them doesn't deserve it, okay? Because everyone needs love. And everyone needs to know that God loves them no matter what. Remember, regardless of what happens, with Jesus we always, always, always have hope. Now receive these words of benediction today. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his face to you and grant you his peace. Amen? Amen.